the Stressed Out Caregiver Podcast, episode 156. What is a qualified income trust? Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Stressed Out Caregiver podcast. I'm your host, Casey Price, from the StressedOutCaregiver.com. And real quick, I want to remind you about the Facebook support group. That is our Facebook Stressed Out Caregiver support group. It's a great group. Go on Facebook, take a, take a look at it, um, search it out. Ask to join, and you can learn from what others have gone through um, to make your caregiving journey much, much easier. And you can also share what you've learned along the way with other people to help make their journey easier, too. Today on the podcast, we're going to discuss qualified income trusts, what they are, and why your loved one might need them. Qualified income trusts are a Medicaid issue. This is something you need to know about if your loved one is applying for Medicaid. Medicaid has a monthly income cap. And now let me back up for one second. This isn't the case in every state. Remember, every state is different. They apply Medicaid rules differently. So Medicaid is a a joint program between the federal government and state governments. Uh, The federal government gives the outline for uh, how Medicaid is to run, and then the states are responsible for putting their own rules in place so long as they're in keeping with federal law. Now, in some states, and and, and lots of this is really going to be based in New Jersey, but our New Jersey laws are often uh, similar to what other states are are dealing with, but um, or what other states have on the books. But remember, if you're dealing with Medicaid, uh, Medicaid applications, qualified income trusts, you're always well served to seek help from an experienced elder law attorney. Now, Medicaid in many states has a monthly income cap. In 2019, here in New Jersey, that income cap is $2,313 of gross income per month, and that number changes each year, so you need to be aware of that. That means if your gross monthly income exceeds $2,313 per month, then you must establish a qualified income trust, otherwise known as a QIT, or a Miller Trust, before you can qualify for Medicaid benefits. Uh, Your monthly income in excess of $2,313 would be placed into the Qualified Income Trust. Once that is established, you can qualify for Medicaid benefits as long as you meet all other Medicaid eligibility requirements. So if you have Social Security and a pension, and the Social Security you receive is $1,500 a month, and the pension is $1,500 a month, your total gross monthly income exceeds that $2,313, that amount here in 2019. So what you would do is in most situations, the person keeps uh, receiving their Social Security and they divert the pension payment into the trust. Any money that's diverted into this qualified income trust is, I'll use the word exempt for Medicaid purposes. Medicaid doesn't count it towards the income cap. So as long as you're following the rules with the qualified income trust, it allows you to get around the Medicaid income cap because Medicaid says, if you put this excess income into the qualified income trust, we're not gonna count it, which makes people eligible for benefits who might otherwise not be eligible. In order for a qualified income trust to be valid, it must meet the following conditions. The trust must only contain income of the Medicaid applicant. 
the trust may not contain resources of any sort, that's any other um, assets. The trust must be irrevocable, meaning you can't undo the trust. The trust must be managed by a trustee and the trustee cannot be the beneficiary. So every trust needs to be managed by a trustee. Every trust has beneficiaries and in this case, the beneficiary is the Medicaid applicant. And so the Medicaid applicant can't be the person managing the trust. They can't be the trustee. This in, 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 in New Jersey and in most other states, the state must be the first remainder beneficiary up to the amount of all Medicaid benefits paid for on behalf of the Medicaid applicant or the individual receiving Medicaid benefits. So what does that mean? That means if there's money left in the trust, it doesn't go to the family of the person who was on Medicaid. It goes to the state uh, that was paying Medicaid benefits to reimburse them for whatever it was they paid. So uh, very important provision, the state must be the first remainder beneficiary. And then income deposited into the trust can only be used for specified post eligibility treatment of income and pay for the cost of care. So it's very important that you understand in your state what the income that's deposited into the Qualified Income Trust can be used for. So now income that can be deposited into the trust includes but is not limited to Social Security payments, pension benefits, and rental income. Some or all of the income can be directed to the Qualified Income Trust, but all of the income from any one source must be deposited into the trust. So what does that mean? That means if you have a pension coming in, uh, that $1,500 pension we talked about. Well, let me back up all together. The example I gave earlier, $1,500 of Social Security, $1,500 of the pension. Well, the income cap is $2,313 again here in New Jersey in the state of, in the year of 2019. You cannot um, deposit uh, $700, $800 of that $1,500 pension and keep the other $700, uh, even though that $700 plus the Social Security benefit of $1,500 is less than the $2,313 income cap amount. You must deposit the entire amount of that pension into the Qualified Income Trust each month. Uh, the trust must have its own bank account, and there can be no other individual other than the trustee who has access to or ownership of the funds. The community spouse's funds cannot be placed into the trust, although I don't know why you would ever want to put more money into a qualified income trust than uh, you absolutely have to. But I mean, it's important you understand that. It must be its own account. Only the trustee has access to those funds and can manage those funds, and the spouse cannot put his or her money into the trust. State law governs who can be trustee. The beneficiary cannot be a trustee. We already said that. The trustee's responsibility is to disperse assets from the trust on a monthly basis basis and make payments in the following order of priority no later than the last day of the month in which income is received. And th that those payments must be made in the following order. Here's the priority. The personal needs allowance for the beneficiary. That's the money that the Medicaid beneficiary is allowed to keep even though they're receiving Medicaid benefits. It's a monthly amount. Uh, payment to the community spouse sufficient to cover the minimum monthly maintenance needs allowance. So remember, if you have a husband and a wife and the spouse in the community needs more money than her income uh, provides her to survive in the community and, and live uh, and meet her minimum monthly maintenance needs, the Medicaid spouse can can shift income over to the community spouse. So, so that would be the second thing that would come out of the trust. Uh, incurred medical benefits of the beneficiary as determined by New Jersey Medicaid. And again, New Jersey, I'm talking about New Jersey in this situation. Um, so what does that mean? That means any medical bills that New Jersey says can be paid by the Medicaid applicant would 
can be paid out of the trust. The cost of medical assistance provided to the beneficiaries, up to $20 a month for banking costs, because sometimes there are bank fees with these trusts, and the trustee's fee, up to 6% of the income paid to the trust that month as compensation, although you have to be careful, even though it says that sometimes people run into to trouble um, paying banking fees and trustee commissions. Again, talk to an experienced elder law attorney if you're dealing with this issue uh, for your loved one. Any other payments from the trust, other than what was mentioned above here in the state of New Jersey, would invalidate the trust and the income of the beneficiary placed in the trust will be counted towards the income cap. So be really careful. You have to manage this trust properly. This is another one of those situations in Medicaid where form is um, more important than substance sometimes. You have to do it right. Otherwise, Medicaid could disqualify your loved one from uh, receiving benefits. Now, the qualified income trust terminates when the beneficiary ceases to receive Medicaid benefits. If a person doesn't need Medicaid anymore, if they're coming off Medicaid, then you would no longer need the trust. Upon termination, um, and remember, that also happens if somebody were to pass away. The trust would end when somebody passes away. When the trust is terminated, the trustee shall notify the state. The trustee shall distribute to the state any remaining trust property up to the amount equal to the total Medicaid expenditures paid on behalf of the beneficiary beneficiary. Any funds remaining after payment to the state shall be distributed as set forth in the trust. So remember, the state has to be the primary beneficiary, but then you can name alternate beneficiaries. So if there is any money remaining in the trust after the state is paid, which is highly unlikely, but if there's any money remaining in the trust, it would be distributed to the other beneficiaries named uh, in the trust. Refer to your state's website for information about the qualified income trust or better yet like i've said before and i'll say again and i'll say many times in the course of of this podcast in the life of this podcast not this episode but the podcast as a whole seek help from a qualified experienced elder law attorney they deal with qualified income trusts all the time they are experienced in coaching their clients through creating the trusts and then managing the trust so get help make sure you're doing it right because Making mistakes in this issue here, dealing with these trusts, can be very expensive mistakes, very costly mistakes, because if your loved one is disqualified from Medicaid, uh, it, it could be a real problem. So get the help you need. Make sure you're doing it right. I'm sure if you work with an elder law attorney, um, you will be protecting yourself and your loved ones. So remember, thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate you taking time to do that. I hope you found this helpful. Remember to check out the Stressed Out Caregiver Facebook support group. Group. Um, it's it's easy. You can find it. We have hundreds of members already. I hope you'll join us. And remember, I have my caregiver training course, the caregiver training course. Uh, it is found at my website, www.thestressedoutcaregiver.com forward slash caregiver training course. And you can always email me, Casey Price. My email address is Casey, C-A-S-E-Y at thestressedoutcaregiver.com. Now, while I referred to New Jersey a lot in the course of this episode, this show is not based in the law of any particular state, except when a particular state is mentioned. When I talk about New Jersey and talk about some specifics of New Jersey, I'm really talking about New Jersey. I am not talking about your state. Your state could be very different. The laws in each state are different. The content of the show is not intended to be legal advice, but rather information. So you can find the help you and your aging parents, spouse, or elderly loved one need to provide each of you with the highest possible quality of life and the least amount of stress. Once again, my name is Casey Price. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. I really enjoy the fact that I can share 
share this information with you to try and improve your quality of life as you care for your loved one and improve the quality of life of the person you care about. So thanks again for listening. I'm Casey Price. And until I have the privilege of talking to you again, I wish you nothing but the best.